Welcome, art lovers, to the SCHS Visual Art Podcast, where we are equipping creative minds to be artists of many styles and disciplines. We feature guest artist talks and other fun things to guide, inspire, and inform the work you make or want to make. I'm Tucker Webb, but a lot of you listening probably know me as Mr. Webb. Let's check it out. Hey guys, glad you're here for episode 16 of the SCHS Visual Art Podcast. Today's episode features guest artist Dan Barry. Dan lives and works in the UK and he makes comics and draws pictures for a living. He specifically makes books in which he uses storytelling through drawing to guide the reader along a journey along with the characters in the pictures. Dan has a ton of other hobbies and things that fill his time besides drawing. One of my favorites is his podcast, which is called Make It Then Tell Everybody. In it, he talks to other artists who also make comics and draw things. It's extremely informative and entertaining. You can find Dan on Instagram at thingsbydan. That's at T-H-I-N-G-S-B-Y-D-A-N or online at thingsbydan.co.uk. This was recorded live with one of our advanced art classes, so of course you'll hear some students asking some questions throughout our chat. Now, let's get to our conversation with Dan Barry. You're in the studio, I see. I am, yeah. I'm uh, I'm here in my um, my cabin. I built a like a little log cabin in my back garden to work in. That's amazing. Where where are you? You're you're in the UK somewhere. I am. Yeah. Um, shall I draw you a picture? Let's do it. So, yeah. Do you have like I don't know if you guys have a a picture in your head of the United Kingdom? A very vague blob. Yeah, just like do do this with your hands if you like. Not really. Thumbs up, thumbs down, and then thumbs down for like no chance. Can anybody accurately draw <laughs> the UK from memory? Oh, we got a couple of hands there. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Right, let's try this. I'm gonna try and do this sort of back to front in front of a camera. Uh, okay. So here's here's Scotland going up there doing its Scotland thing. All right. <laughs> this is gonna be like the worst thing I've ever done. Uh, let's see over here. That's Norfolk. I don't live anywhere near there. Then it goes around there. That's sort of where London is. It goes all the way around there. There's like a, a bit that goes there. I don't want anyone to check on Google Maps to see how accurate this is. Uh, then like there's Wales. That's kind of where I was born. There. Ireland. There's Ireland. Perfect. There <laughs> it is. Oh my goodness. It's really good. I think you're all impressed. I live like my question, Dan, is why do we need Google Maps when we have this? Right. I know. I mean, I could do this as a service. See that dot? Yep. That's you. That's very accurate. <laughs> you are there. <laughs> Hi, I'm a professional artist. This is yeah, what I do. For, for those that don't know Dan Barry, that's exactly what he does. Jeez, that was bad. Cooper. So sorry. <laughs> normally, normally I do it like on a table. So this is this is not working to my uh, my strengths. I thought it was pretty fun, myself. Thank you, thank you. 
Dan, you wanna you wanna tell us everything you know? Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, do you, <laughs> do you, uh, you want to start by just introducing yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, besides drawing maps. Uh, Upside down, back to front. Yeah. Um, so my name's Dan Berry. I'm an artist. I used to be a teacher. I used to run a university department. So the thing that I did, uh, this was like in 2008. I started the UK's first degree course in comics. So that was like my whole job for ages, quite a long time. Uh, I quit a couple of years ago so I could do this, this stuff full time. So that's, that's what I do now. Uh, so I used to be uh, an educator. I still do that occasionally, like when I'm allowed to fly on an airplane and things like that. I sometimes go and teach in uh, Denmark, uh, sometimes in Finland, uh, you know, kind of get to go all over the place. Um, I've been to China and Algeria. Uh, kind of get to go all over the, the world talking to people about comics, which is uh, quite a, a weird position to be in. I never thought that that would actually happen to me. Uh, and it's all because I draw books. Um, I've been drawing comics uh, since mm, like 2002, 2003. Um, the ones from like 2001, 2002, 2003 were terrible. They were dreadful. They're really, really bad. So even not if you're as, looking not as good as the map drawing. No, the map drawing was really good in comparison. Yeah. The uh, the first comics I drew were dreadful. They were really, I mean, no, that's not fair. They would have to improve a great deal to be dreadful. They were really, really bad. Uh, and now they're just, they're okay. Uh, I did this book uh, a couple of years ago. So this is like 120 pages. Um, I can talk more about this one in a bit. Um, but I've been making comics for you know quite a while. I've been independently publishing. Um, like I print a lot of my own stuff as well um, because I like to do that sort of thing. I've got all sorts of printing and binding equipment in in this room. Um, oh, you mean liter literally you print it yourself? Like oh yeah, I've got machines okay. that fold stuff and staple stuff and like trim stuff. I've got like a big industrial printer in my garage. I've got a like a big industrial guillotine which will chop like paper as thick as your arm like you know i like doing that stuff yeah that's amazing but occasionally occasionally it's 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 just a pain in the backside and what you want is to pay someone else to do it so i also pay someone else to do it sometimes sure and you uh <laughs> and you uh just finished a book right like just mm. just now yeah or you're finishing it uh it i think what day is it today Today is Friday, Friday, the 19th. I think yesterday, no, Wednesday, I um, I took a look at the final files and said to the publisher, these are finished, go and print it now. So that was, that's all done now. Um, that's a good so day. What the, <laughs> oh, it was a great day. So what the book actually looks like before it's actually turned into a book. Oh my goodness. We get the sneak peek? This. Oh, wow. So this is uh, the whole, oh my goodness, the whole book. So every page as it is drawn there. So this is 180, now there's 184 pages in the book, but I redrew some pages. Uh, so this is like 190 something pages. Um, so this kind of weighs quite a bit. Uh, yeah. It took- About a week. I don't know, about a week to draw, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's actually really easy. Yeah, <laughs> you just sit down and draw it, and then it's done. But really, um, how, how 
long did it take? Because I know that was. So, let's see. This first page here, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, 16th of January, 2019. Okay. So that's when I started drawing it properly. Uh, but then I basically spent a year doing nothing. <laughs> and then there was a pandemic as well. Did you notice? I think yeah, there was a. Did you have that there? We had that here. Um, so the, it was kind of a difficult year. And then uh, I guess it would have been hmm, about this time last year. Uh, I was in Denmark teaching and my publisher said, hey, we're going to need that book soon. And I said, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, no. Um, and then so I spent the rest of this year drawing, basically. Uh, yeah. So I've been drawing uh, somewhere between two and seven pages every weekday since uh let's say april or thereabouts yeah so it's been been a lot of work uh but it's done now that's amazing yeah, on the on the good. back side I'm of it, it doesn't, probably doesn't seem all that bad but i'm sure while you're in it it's probably <laughs> a process well I, the so this book i did the this is this is 120 pages and the pages aren't as big um they're they're smaller, you know, they're not as tall. There's fewer panels on each page. Um, but this one was hard. This was a really hard book to do um, because it was supposed to be done as a performance. So it was shown in a theater. So each of these pages were like big on a screen and we had like musicians on stage with us. And so we had a dramatic reading and we had me like working like a PowerPoint to make all the things come up at the same time. So we had like a really hard deadline. Like we had to perform this thing on uh, like October the 12th, let's say. Um, so we had to do it then because people were going to turn up and look at it. Mm -hmm. We had to finish. Uh, and I hadn't started really drawing it in August. Yeah. So I had to do like the whole thing in about eight weeks. Uh, but this is while I was working, uh, teaching full time as well. So I'd get up at six o'clock in the morning, draw some pages, drive to work, work all day. Like my lunch break, I'd draw some pages and then I'd drive home, put my kids to bed and then draw till midnight and then get up the next day and do the same. Uh, weekends were different, but the only difference was I didn't go to work. I would just draw. And that's really, really unhealthy. Like it's really bad for your body uh, and your brain. Like if you do that, your body and your brain, they start to like punch you when you try and sleep and then you can't sleep and you can't do the things you want to do. So I don't recommend doing that. It's really bad. It leaves sort of scar tissue all over you inside and out. I do um, want to but talk this, about the scheduling thing in a minute, but sure. Continue. Sorry. I think I interrupted. So this this book, um, you know, the 180 something page book. So even though it was uh 60, 70 pages more work, uh, it was more humane. I was kinder to myself. You know, I didn't start work till 10 o'clock in the morning and I finished at five o'clock in the evening like when I needed to feed my children. When my children started like really complaining about being hungry, then, then I would stop work and feed them. I did feed them. Probably important. Um, yeah, they, you know, <laughs> they really complain if I don't do that stuff. Um, but I was really strict. So I didn't, you know, I didn't work all night. Uh, if I was hungry, I ate. I, you know, it was uh, more humane. I took weekends off. I took evenings off. Um, basically, I, I have it, but I have to have it the whole time. And uh, it's much more, manageable and you don't feel like your brain's going to burst the whole time which is good that's my pro tip half yeah. sit but half sit consistently all right we'll, we'll make a post <laughs> for the classroom 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Dan, can you, can you walk us through um, the from the origin, the, the genesis of a, a book? Like, let's say yes, I can. the idea pops in your head from that point until uh, somebody can purchase it as a as an actual book. Like, and I know that differs sure. depending on the book and and who's how you're getting it printed and if it's getting published or self-published or you know whatever. But just kind of like an average process. Okay, so this book that I've just done, this is the one I can talk about with any level of authority. So uh, I work with a guy called David Gaffney as well. Um, he's old enough to be my dad, um, which is weird um, because I'm a dad myself. He's basically a grandpa. He is a grandpa. Yeah, Grandpa Gaffney. Um, but we've got like a very similar sense of humor and we've got a similar work ethic and we find the same things funny. So like it, it works, it works for us. Like the things that I like and the things that he like cross over and the things that he's good at are the things that I'm not very good at. And so it seems to be a nice working partnership. So the way that we did this book, uh, he writes really short stories. They're exactly 150 words long. And then we, someone said, would you do a comic with him? And so we took a bunch of these 150 word stories and we just sort of smushed them together into one long story, uh, which kind of worked. So when we'd finished that one, we thought we liked working together, let's do something again. So we both went away to our individual houses and said, you know, thought, what would we like to do? And I came up with a story that I wanted to do about a guy who builds a boat. This is gonna sound dreadful. Uh, I wanted to do a story about a guy who builds a boat and then drowns um, because of the rubbish boat that he'd built. Uh, David wanted to do a story about a guy whose best friend when he was a kid got killed in a car accident. So Sorry these are the all book. like, no worries. Is this time for break? No, 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 we're here for great. a while. There, there might be a couple more actually. See you then. <laughs> um, so we had these like two weird ideas about like people dying, um, but they were funny. They were funny ideas. Um, so I wrote a version of my story and he wrote a version of his story. And then I sent them to him and he took these two stories and sort of smushed them together. And then he sent them back to me and I took out some things and put some other things in and sent it back to him. And so we basically just, push this story backwards and forwards through email for a couple of months until we ended up with something that we were like this is actually pretty good I quite like this um as we've gone on like the story's changed and we've taken things out and added things in and we were doing that right up until like a month ago like I rewrote the ending uh right at the end because it it worked but it, it was good but it wasn't great and I wanted it to be great mm -hmm. so uh once we get it to the point where we're basically you're never happy with it, but you're happy enough with it. Uh, I print it as a script. I don't like working um, with scripts digitally because, you know, if it's on Google Docs or it's on Dropbox, you can continue to change things. And there has to be a point where it just doesn't change anymore because I've got to draw it. So yeah. this this piece of paper here, it just, it's not going to change. Um, this has been hanging around with me on like three continents now. Um, and it's got my notes all over it. Um, you can see where I've been, you know, scribbling in the margins and saying, you know, this needs to change. Cross this out, giant question mark through that bit there. Do we need this? Probably not. You know, those sorts of things. Um, what happens with this script then? What I might do actually is I'm going to flip the camera around and take you for a walk through my sketchbook, if that's okay. Do it, yeah. 
what might happen here is like the camera might like fall onto my um onto my worktop. It might that'd be, this, that'd be okay too. There's there's every possibility that this is gonna go dreadfully, dreadfully wrong. So just just strap in. This could go bad. Yeah. Let's well see. while you're uh, doing that, I, I just realized we have another poster for the classroom, which is uh <laughs> do art do art until you're not happy with it, but you're happy enough with it. So Oh so like, yeah. I mean that's that's the rule really, isn't it? Close enough, I think, is is the motto. Right, hang on. This is this is close enough. Right. So this is my uh, uh, one of the planning books that I used. So basically, what I'm doing with this is I'm taking the script. Hey, hang on. I we're think we're up. Yeah, we're upside down. Hold on. I can fix this. I. You remember when I said this can go dreadfully wrong? We can see the drawings, so that's something. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip you. Uh, I wonder if I can flip you here. <laughs> if I do, hey, there it is. I flipped you. You got it. There we go. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm working from the script, and I'm taking each page uh, to give you an idea of how big these are. There's my hand that are next to it. So it's not. Oh, hang on. To give you a better idea, uh, there's a ruler next to it. So these are four inches tall, if you can see mm. that there, uh, not great light. Um, so I'm working through the entire script and I'm drawing the entire comic. Like it's got all of the, the lettering in there. You can see, you can read this whole thing. I'm adding all of the locations and little sketches of the characters. You know, I particularly like this character here. She was really fun to draw and she's in like three pages which is, it's a real bummer for me. I really wanted to hang around with that character some more. Um, so everything ends up in this book. Uh, so this is the thing that I, if this goes missing, my life ends, basically. Yeah. Um, that's not true. I, I scan it in as I go. So I really like uh, the like three-dimensional rooms that you've kind of drawn yeah. up. That way you know kind of the space that your your people are, walking through and oh stuff. for sure yeah it's really really important to me um i don't know like how many of you guys uh like drawing um and have got to that point where you're like i hate backgrounds backgrounds stink and i hate them um i can see some nodding hands do me some like hands in the air like a mexican wave there we go yay i would say most most of us in here like drawing most uh, and I would oh, say yeah, let's dislike backgrounds. I can see a thumb, like yes, one thumb. I mean, yeah, I I went through this phase of like backgrounds stink and I hate them. They're the absolute worst because I was thinking the, of them as a thing that just went behind the characters, and that was just I don't know. It was boring and dull, and it was this you know the the characters were the really exciting bit. I wanted to get these you know, fun facial expressions of these things happening, you know, and all of the background stuff was really boring to me. Uh, but as soon, as soon as I started thinking of it as an environment that the characters had to live in, started thinking about it in these three dimensions and started to think about it as a way of getting whoever was gonna read these stories, like to make that story like glide into someone's head, like without any friction, like something like, snapped in my brain and I was like oh oh I can make 
the reader's life a bit easier. So with a, a scene like this, what I'm trying to do is make a asymmetrical um, environment. I've taken the word background and I've removed it from my vocabulary. I try mm. to anyway, because I, I find myself slipping back into, I hate backgrounds if I'm not careful. So I always think environment. So this guy, this is the basement at this guy's place of work. And he's, this is where he's building a boat in his basement. So I'm trying to think if the, you know, my imagination camera that's, you know, moving around this environment, where is it? What are we going to see behind them so that the reader's always going to know where we are? We always know, like, if we can see the staircase and it's at this angle, we can have the camera facing this way or this way or wherever, but we're always going to feel like we're not lost in this environment. If it was like a symmetrical environment, it could be really difficult because if you've got things on both sides that are the same, you can really run into trouble pretty quickly because if your reader ever gets to the point where they're like, wait, what was that? Where am I? Like what they've done is they've just tripped over in your story and they've stopped suspending their disbelief. They're like, wait, wait, wait. And they start to become aware that it's just lines on paper. And at that point, I mean, it's really, really easy then at that point to just close the book and not open it up again, um, which is the thing we're really trying to avoid. An amazing it, sorry. story. That's like an amazing storytelling kind of tool. Do you, I know you've talked mm. with a ton of uh, comic, uh, what, what would you call it? Comic artists or yeah. people who draw comics. Do you, would you say that that's like a pretty common thing that people do? Or do you think people just go on hating backgrounds and not solving <laughs> I think people still go on hating backgrounds. Um, it really depends on uh, the artist. I think um, people get into drawing for loads of different reasons. Uh, I got into it because I really like telling stories. Uh, I used to want to make films um, when I was a teenager, you know, getting a, a camera and like getting my friends to pretend to be zombies or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. And what's funny ah, that that because it reminds me of like a like a. a planning for like a film like storyboarding or oh yeah you know set set design and stuff like that it's like you're doing all of that to prepare for drawing your comic your pages yeah i mean it, it's exactly that um i mean the reason that i started drawing comics was that oh you can see where i've spilt coffee all over this this is like game. life's great tragedy um the, the the reason that I ended up stopping making films was that I had to rely on other people and other people like flake out and they they want to eat things and they have boyfriends and girlfriends and they don't want to get up at six in the morning and do your stupid film and things like that. Um, so I realized I could do my own thing and like make it all happen on a piece of paper. And um, I think to be an illustrator, you have to have like a level of control freakery about you, where you've got to want to control everything that's happening in front of you. Um, this is kind of a good um, example. The the boat that this guy's making, I spent a long time obsessing about this boat. Uh, needs to have the outward appearance of an actual boat with actually being any good, like plausibly a boat. These bits need to be a bit reminiscent of the, the Gulor hunter ship. So there's a comic within the comic um, that I'll talk about in a little bit. It needs to get stuck on the low bridge. So it needs to have these bits that are gonna get stuck on the low bridge, which means that he dies. The boat needs to be a bit rubbish, but it has to kind of work. It needs to have two rows. He needs to think of it as a love boat. It's like, so I'm really, really kind of overthinking the design of just this one boat that you see in like five pages. Um, trying to think, you know, what kind of idiot 
is going to do this sort of thing. And you have to become, you know, the, the set designer, the costume designer, the location scout, the casting director, uh, the makeup artist, the script director, the editor, the director, the actor, uh, the dialogue coach, like you have to do everything. It's such a, a strange job, but it's really, really easy to do a really bad job of it as well and just draw, you know, heads talking in boxes. And um, can I interrupt you? Of course, Ken, yeah. Uh, I got two questions. I think they're kind of quick, but one is- Ask you, me your questions. Are you bouncing these things off of uh, Grandpa Gaffney as you go? <laughs> uh, generally not. Okay. Um, and um, then the other thing is how long are you, because you're doing every page, uh, like kind of a, a, a plan, and then you're doing all these other sketches and things. How long are you spending on that before you actually start on the the proper pages? Hmm. I generally I'll do like eight pages in a morning. So I'll okay. spend some time with a script thinking about, you know, where what goes where, how how do things work. Um, if I need to think about the, you know, the design of a bathroom, I might spend a little longer um thinking about that before I then draw it into, you know, where he's got to stand and, and do things um, but generally I, I don't spend a long time with it the, the, the benefit that I have is that I know how I draw um, I've been doing it long enough that there's no surprises in anything that I do oh here you go there's the comic book within the comic book um, so something like this this sort of weird comic book within the comic book this was the design for a um, bit of promo that's going to go along with it so this is a book plate that's going to come out with the the book that's so it's amazing. got these sort of uh you know Worn edges dots. yeah with a that's space awesome. goblin so as long as i've got a good a good enough idea of what it's supposed to look like then i can get and do the proper drawing but if i just jump in and try and do the the proper drawing then uh, I'll invariably screw it up because I won't have a good enough idea about what it's supposed to look like. Um, so I have to go through that process of trying to figure out what the proper version is. Like if the proper version stays inside my head, I'll just forget it and it'll be, uh, it'll just be awful. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But generally I don't tend to show these to um, David. Um, in fact, these characters here, um, he he really didn't describe them at all. Um, I decided that this one was a dog with guns. Um, uh, this was a giant sort of horned space toad with a skull on a stick. Um, so he, he basically writes me a novel that doesn't really have an awful lot of descriptive words inside it. There's no sort of long sentences describing the look of the characters. They'll say, this is the main character he's called Gideon He'll, he won't say he is very tall he has long hair um, or anything like that it'll just be now you do your thing um, so th this is why I'm a bit hesitant to just be called the illustrator because mm -hmm. I didn't just illustrate this book you had to make some creative decisions as well yeah yeah I mean ra rather a lot of creative decisions really um so there's been been a lot that's gone into it that's not inside the script at all. I mean, there's no crocodiles wearing caps at all, um, but they've showed up in my sketchbook for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Now there just are. Just turn up sometimes. Now, now there are. 
who knows why no idea um yeah so that's basically how that comes together um and then the the drawing itself what i'll do is i'll scan it in um now this is all about uh, honesty i'm gonna try and answer your questions as honestly as possible um <laughs> what i did was i took these uh from the trash because that's where they end up um so i scan the filing, in filing cabinet i think is what it's called the filing cabinet <laughs> So all of those uh, tiny little drawings that I do in my sketchbook, I'll scan them in. Um, they don't get tidied up much. Um, I will generally sort of draw on top of them um, at full scale. You see they've got a little masking tape on there. So we can see, you know, what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'll put these on top of a light box um, stuck to the back of my favorite piece of paper. Um, I'm using I've prepared for this. I'm using some 200 gram uh, or 90 pound, 90 pound? I don't know. I'm over here from Europe, so I'm working in grams, uh, centimeters, millimeters. Uh, so this is kind of nice, sort of thick paper. Makes, mm -hmm. I don't know if you can hear that noise. Makes yeah. a good noise when you draw on it. Uh, that's important How for some you know reason. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's got some like, toothiness to it um, so these all end up you know on the floor eventually um, but I'll take that really small rubbish drawing and then do a slightly better drawing on top of that in ink just to tighten things up and give myself one sort of practice of what it's supposed to look like um, and then it gets properly drawn on a piece of paper the the thing I when you come to draw like the proper, the proper final, oh my goodness, don't screw this up. This is important drawing. Mm -hmm. So for example, I forgot to draw his thumb here. He's supposed to be sort of nonchalant, like, oh, I'm just looking at my fingernails. I don't care about what you're saying, but I forgot to draw his thumb. Hmm. So I just stuck <laughs> it in secretly there at the edge. So in the final book, I, I have to remind myself, I know Photoshop, so I just like, I just move it over there and no one will know you'll know uh you'll think less of me for it and that's fine <laughs> i i can live with that but i'll often leave myself little swatches of um watercolor in the corners so i know that if i do need to come back and fix something uh i can do so i don't know if there's any particularly egregious mistakes in this bit Broom. there we go um but yeah often i'll just keep reminding myself it's okay, I know Photoshop, I can put in, you know, a new thumb. Uh, there's a sequence towards the end where I had to replace all of the faces in all of the, uh, in all of the panels. Um, mm. You know, in discussion with the editor, they said, you know, he looks really angry and I think he should look sad. And I was like, well, I could redraw this whole page, but I know Photoshop. So, you know, just changed the eyes and the eyebrows and just pasted them on top. And it's, um, it's relatively seamless, really. So it's, it, it, I remember when I was teaching, I'd have students who would get quite worked up about the idea that this has to be perfect. And like that idea of striving for perfection, it can be crippling sometimes because you're like, it must be good. It must be good. If it's not good, it's dreadful. And that's, it. it's not the Mona Lisa. Like the Mona Lisa has to be perfect because it sits in the Louvre and, you know, a million people a year come and look at it. 
but this this isn't the final piece. The final piece for me is that book that gets printed and ends up in bookshops on shelves in people's houses. So the book is the final piece. This is just a step on the way to get there. Um, maybe someone one day will want to buy this and they they will ask me for a discount because of that that thumb there, those two lines and splash of watercolor. And maybe that will be grounds for a discount at some point in the future, but it really doesn't matter. Or maybe um, the book is the thing that matters. Maybe or maybe context context, then they'll just think it's a story about a floating thumb. Oh yeah, the ghost thumb. Yeah. Um. Uh, so that brings, uh, uh, an, that brings up an interesting question, Dan. Which is, yes. when you're all done with this and you get your book, um, your like published book, and it's you know you're able to flip through it finally after like toiling over it for so long, are you able to enjoy it? like as a book or are you constantly uh, <laughs> like, looking at all of the things that you like the Photoshop fixes and things like that? Okay. So yes, I know what you mean. So at the moment I can see all of the mistakes in it, uh -huh. um, but that's because I can still remember what it was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you sit down to do a drawing and you're like, you go and you do that first line and you're like, Oh God, I've ruined it. Mm -hmm. like screw scrunch it up and throw in the gates of hell because you're like this is the worst day of my life i hate myself i hate everything because you that one line is in the wrong place like i still feel that way about this book okay um, and i think any artist that tells you no it's great is a dirty liar uh, everyone feels that way but everyone agrees that you don't talk about it yeah. so the thing is like that first line now is in a different place to the place that i wanted it to be but it doesn't mean that the drawing's wrong it just means it doesn't match up with the one that's inside your head but the problem is no one else can see the drawing that's inside my head no one else knows what it's supposed to look like so yeah. this book which came out in 2018 i think i've forgotten what it was supposed to look like so I know that I can look back at these weird elves that live inside an accordion and be like, yeah, that's fine. I'm I'm happy enough with this. Like those ducks, I remember at the time, that one with the long neck thinking, this is a scam. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm a scam artist. This is dreadful. Um, there's a whole sequence in this that I drew with um, my children's crayons um, as well. I think NPR reviewed it and they said, um it's a good book but like he he must really hate the writer because there's a bit where he's just like i hate this script i'm gonna draw it with children's crayons <laughs> i like, nah, kind of missed the point there but the thing is like you kind of forget what it's supposed to look like and so after a bit you're like this is this is all good this is fine um the reason i did this in crayon is that this character is an unreliable narrator so the stories that, that he's telling uh you're not supposed to really believe him mm -hmm. so that's that was the reason there was a reason there i should say um so yeah okay. there's um there's bits that you end up sort of forgetting how bad you thought they were and sort of sure. just accepting what they are it just takes time it just takes time yeah um okay a related question when you look at other artists work and we don't have, obviously don't have to name names but if, like, <laughs> sure. are, are you able to and i assume you're able to enjoy their work you're not constantly like oh i would have done this differently or oh, oh I don't sure like that, that duck's neck and in, in somebody else's drawing <laughs> <laughs> uh, well there's there's two versions of this i might go back to um 
being up on screen here now. I wonder if this is going to be the the day that this breaks. We're here. We're here again. Yeah, I can. I can enjoy. I really, really enjoy looking at other people's work. Um, it's very difficult, I think, when you're working on your own big project. Um, so when I started, you know, drawing, you know, 180 something page book, there's a level of consistency that I have to keep from page one all the way through to the, the very last page. Mm -hmm. I find that if I'm looking at other people's work constantly throughout it, that process, some of that work starts to try and creep into my work. You know, oh, I'll yeah. look at the way someone else draws mouths or like cars or you know hands or something and I'm like oh that's really cool and then all of a sudden I can start to see that inching into my work and I'm like oh geez now I need to go back and change some things so I, I find that I've got to be really really aware of how much of other people's work I'm enjoying while I'm trying to do my own work so between projects I'll like guzzle as much of other people's work as I can because I really do enjoy it um, but while I'm actively working on it, it's, it's, I feel like I have to be quite careful not to accidentally rip someone off. I've, uh, I've heard <laughs> the same thing, the same sentiment from musicians when they're recording an album, mm. they, like, they say that, that they can't listen to other people's music because it's like too influential. But, um, yeah. I'm going to pause for a second. Cause I've got about a hundred thousand questions, but I'm wanted to open it up to student questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can I can totally take the whole time and and just ask all my stuff. But um, does anybody have questions? You wanna... I see a thumb. Yeah, yeah. We got a thumb and another hand, so I'm gonna. Yeah, come on up. It's hard to hear sometimes if they're back in the back. So I'm gonna have. This is Victor. Hi, Victor. What's up? Um... So my question is pretty much, uh, you were talking about how you could wear multiple hats. Uh, you're the designer, you're the makeup artist, and like you're the illustrator and like so on. Do you wear all of those hats at the same time or do you find yourself going and doing illustration one day and then thinking that you're in a sense like the makeup artist the next day? Or how do you break it apart? Oh, that's a really, really good question. So. I remember now I'm going to get this really badly wrong. I remember talking to someone and they said that, you know, that idea of taking off a hat and putting on a new hat, um, I think it's called context switching. And the idea of context switching, um, I think the whole quote is context switching is expensive. So every time you have to put on a new brain hat, I'm not explaining this particularly well, like it costs you a lot of energy to do that. Hmm. So when I'm, working through like cinematographer mode i'll try and do as much cinematography stuff as i can in one go like when i come to think about uh you know how i'm going to apply a color scheme i try and do as much of that as i can in one go or like character design um it, when i'm working through actually drawing it so i will take you know a stack of pages and i'll do all of the line work in one go so it'll just be the line work on the page and then i'll do all the color work in one go so that I'm not doing line work, color work, scanning work, Photoshop work, line work, color work, scanner work, like because every time you take off that hat and put a new one on, like it fatigues you. Like only let's say it's two percent, but if you're doing that consistently across the course of a day, a week, a month, like you're gonna find your your brain turning to pudding like pretty quickly. 
So I try and figure out what those similar tasks are and try and keep them grouped together, like character design and background design, environment design, let's call it. Um, mentally for me, I feel like they're quite similar, like the idea of location scouting an environment or location scouting a character, like they seem to have that same pathway in my brain. So I'm like, I can do these things at the same time and it doesn't feel bad like getting the same feeling from those drawings. But then trying to think of like something clever to do with like a camera angle or a narrative hook or, uh, you know, a clever bit of dialogue, like trying to do that at the same time, like jumping from those different things, like really, really tough. So I feel like doing those things, I've got to go for a walk. I can't take my headphones with me. I can't listen to music. I can barely take my phone with me. Uh, I can't have anything else distracting that like problem solving bit of my brain because that's tough work. That's really difficult work. Um, I, does that answer your question? Yeah. Because that's I, it. I, the, the thing is, I'll just keep talking. Well, I, that's my problem. That's just why the I had chance to... to hear my own voice, you know? <laughs> that's why I had to turn it over to the student questions because I can keep asking questions. Uh, <laughs> Dan, we've got another another student question. And then And then I can ask Let's all the questions or we can do another oh. student question or whatever. Let's do it. This is Rachel. Hello. Hello. I just have a question about um, people who want to get like start making comics. Um, like, I guess where are the resources to like learn how to do that? Um, and like maybe like like people to look at who even like better just like comic book artists like themselves that like just that you would recommend people like look at and like things that you yeah basically just like comic artists. Hmm. Oh, that one's well, well. They, so, the first answer, I guess. Well, the first question is, what's a good way to get started? I'll, I'll start with that one because that one's relatively easy. Like a pen, and a piece of paper. Um, like start. You know, just draw pictures in boxes. Uh, they don't really even need to be in boxes. Um, if you've got like an idea about something to say. Um, you know, it could be as like straightforward as here's a cool, fun thing that happened to me today. Like I was driving along and this happened, or I went to the store and this happened, you know, start small. One of the things that a lot of people tend to do when they start drawing comics is they'll read like a big, thick book. You know, the sort of book that you're like, this is great. It's a big, thick, hefty tome, like the kind of book that you could dent a car with smash like it's <laughs> hefty like it feels worthy like big and everyone thinks i want to do that a lot of people i've because i run a podcast or i've interviewed you know a couple of hundred different comic artists about this stuff and one of the things that comes up a lot is people start with this big project i'm going to do this 400 page masterpiece it's going to be set on seven continents across nine decades it's going to have a cast of 400 it's going to be immense and you get three pages in, you're like, my brain hurts and I hate this. No one's ever going to read it. And it's it's setting this impossible task that is uh, just, you know, it's, it's too much. It's too big. It's a bit like deciding to start running, um, but running ultra marathons as your very first thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just wild, wild that anyone would start there. Um, so start small, you know, four panels on a piece of paper. Tell me. A very short story about a fun thing that happened and that's all it needs to be um the 
the sort of the barriers to entry are very low. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper and, you know, a camera phone, like you can do it, basically. I mean, I guess technically this sort of thing would count. I mean, it's not very good. I don't think there's many people who would want to actually read this, but it fulfills those criteria. I mean, you don't need to go and buy, you know, a Cintiq, uh, an iPad Pro, get a, an Adobe subscription or a giant scanner. Like those things are nice. They're really nice to have, but they're kind of expensive. Um, so I, I guess start small um, and find a thing to say. I think that the cardinal sin of comics is having nothing to say. Um, people will be interested in things you've got to say if you're passionate about them and you're excited about them. Uh, I mean, there's comics about all kinds of things. Um, any any topic you care to think about, someone's probably making a comic about that somewhere and it'll find that audience. Um, but just drawings for the sake of drawings in boxes that doesn't really go anywhere kind of leaves me a little bit cold, I think. Um, I, I like it when people get excited about their work and have something to say. Would you say that it's like a, a more interesting comic is one that's like um, really got something to say that may not be drawn or finished as well, as opposed to like a comic that's drawn really well, but doesn't really say anything. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like finding like a, a novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding a novel like with a really, really beautiful typeface. Like that thing is typeset. Like mwah, the paper is, it feels really, really lovely. The cover's wonderful, but the story is garbage. Like it has all of the appearance of a really good book, but if the story's not good, it's still not a very good book. I've bought that but book. You can have, <laughs> we've all bought that book, but you can have like a book that's on like nasty cheap paper. It's really thin. Like it's probably going to start falling apart, but if the words are going to really grab you, and like draw you into that story you're still like my god this is a great book like it doesn't have to be pretty to be great i think it's the same with comics like the baseline level is can you read it and does it you know pull on your heartstrings or make your brain do something like those are the two things i often think about comics as a form of mind control which maybe sounds a little creepy but <laughs> what you're doing is i'm taking my thoughts and i am bouncing them off a page into your brain and making your brain do something, which is, yeah, it does sound creepy when I say it like that. <laughs> Strike that one from the record. But do you know what I mean? It's it's exerting, it's making you feel something. It's making you think something. And I'm in a different, uh, on a different continent, in a different time zone. And I can still have that sort of emotional or mental power over someone because of some lines I've arranged on a piece of paper somewhere, which mm -hmm. is, amazing really i like it that a lot amazing. i think we just found the third poster for the classroom comics or mind control there's going to be a better way of saying it that doesn't sound quite so creepy um uh, it's an empathy empathy machine i don't know can i switch gears for a second just because yes. we've we've got maybe 20 minutes until these guys leave us okay so i i want to do talk about two things specifically before we leave mm -hmm. We can kind of, you know, do a, a condensed version of these things if you want. But the first one is, um, if you if you are open to talking about it, how do you make money? Because, um, you know, parents are very concerned about like, and, and they kind of get into like the starving artist uh, sort of cliche. And you have kids, and I'm sure you're probably like, 
don't be an artist, whatever you do to your kids, but <laughs> I, like, how, how do you make money as a, cause you're not just drawing for two years or a year and a half or whatever without getting paid anything, I would assume. And you've probably oh. have other ways of getting money. Like, so if yeah, you're open yeah. to sharing it, how do you, how do you, yeah. get, how do you make a living? So there's, there's this idea in a lot of the creative industries that we don't talk about money, like money is this dirty word that if we talk about it, people will either think that we're stupid or we're asking too much money. And there will be people that will tell you that you should do it because you love it. And that's like the most important thing. You do it for the passion of the project and like for the love of drawing, which is, is nonsense. That is, it's a toxic and uh, unproductive way of thinking about what is essentially a hugely skilled career that takes a long time to develop. So uh, I always try and think about different ways to get paid. I'm constantly, constantly trying to think, how do I squeeze every last penny out of everything that I'm doing? Um, in terms of a book like this one, um, I'm always very, very happy talking about money. Um, delighted to talk about money. Um, I'm happy to talk about the actual numbers that are involved. So with this one in particular, uh, Rivers, this one, uh, we have uh, an organization in the UK called the Arts Council. So their, their job is to give money to artists and organizations so that they can do art, basically. Um, so David uh, Gaffney, Grandpa Gaffney, he actually works for the Arts Council. He's actually quite senior in the Arts Council, which is pretty good. That's good for you. Um, it's great for me. Um, so he's, I think he's like the Chief Relationships Officer for Arts Council England, which sounds like, uh, quite a good job title what that basically means is he understands how to fill out forms like he's really really good at filling out forms he understands that stuff inside and out um so when we we came to decide we were going to do this book he knew that we could apply for funding from here and here and here like these two three places and he thought maybe i oh, did someone fall over no we, we a chair fell over sorry the invisible person fell yep um, <laughs> oh no so um he knew which uh places we could go to apply for funding um we ended up getting i think it was uh in total for this book there was fourteen thousand pounds i think for this particular one mm -hmm. then so that was for me to draw it then there was a further two thousand performance fees then there's been money from Top Shelf, the publisher. Um, we didn't get an awful lot of money from Top Shelf because the book was finished when we took it to them. So there was no advance. Mm -hmm. uh, an advance is basically money that the publisher grabs from the future when you've sold some books and gives mm -hmm. it to you in the present. And then when you get to the future, they said, we've already given you that money. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Um, so there was no advance. So they didn't reach into the future and give us any imaginary future money. When we got to the future, they just gave us that money. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. Advances are weird. Um, so basically, if this book never made any money, then we wouldn't have made any money. But it did. It's it's onto a second print run. So the the number of books that they printed, uh, they sold all of them. That's cool. Yeah. So then it's gone onto a second print run. So at the moment, this book uh, owes them money because they paid for it to be printed, and they haven't sold them all it kind of coincided with a pandemic. Don't know if you heard about it. Then, um, so people haven't been going to bookshops. 
So at the moment, this book owes Top Shelf some money. But the, it's also uh, Warner Brothers, the, um, the, the film people. They said, we want to make this into a TV show. And we oh. said, yeah, cool. That's, yeah, let's do that. So they sent us a contract. And in the contract, it said, here's a pittance. Like, do you want like next to no money? It's mm-hmm. really good. We're Warner Brothers. We were like, ah, oh, next to no money sounds great. I don't know. So we got an agent. Like, so um, we talked to this agent and said, we don't know anything about film and TV money. Like, we don't know what any of these clauses in this contract means. We don't know what normal is. Would you would you have an argument with them for us? And she said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so she emailed them back and said, no, no, double that, triple this, none of this. We're keeping that. You're not doing this. Um, and got us paid properly. So I think there's been an extra £3,000 so far just from Warner Brothers saying we'd like to make it as a TV show. So that one might again happen. Everything got put on pause uh, last year, but it's starting to start up again now. In terms of this book, uh, Rivers, it's a similar story. Um, We did get an advance from Top Shelf. That was... It was very low. It was $3,000 between David and I. Um, but we also got Arts Council funding uh, for, I think it was closer to £20,000 for this one. Um, so that's, you know, basically paid for my time to sit and draw it. Um, this one we've had, again, we've had interest from Warner Brothers. Uh, the guy who directed the Harry Potter films as well wants yeah. to maybe look at doing like a film of it as well with all of the tv stuff it's one of these things where it might happen or it might not happen and no one really knows um so in terms of books that's basically how it happens a publisher will either reach into the future and grab some money and bring it to the present and give it to you now and then when you get to the future the money's not there because you've spent it already mm-hmm. or you have a percentage of royalties which is some of that money in the future when you get there less how much money it costs to make the book and distribute the book and publicize the book you know then you get that slice of your money at the end of it in terms of how i make money um there's a few ways i make pens yeah uh, i invented a pen yeah so look there it is nice uh, so this is a dip pen made of brass um so this uh is a pen i invented a few years ago uh, this has probably made me somewhere in the region of about 70,000 pounds at this point. Wow. Or thereabouts, I think. Uh, but it's also, uh, if anyone knows anything about brass, brass is copper and zinc, and zinc is poisonous to humans. Uh, so this has poisoned me. <laughs> um, if you ever do- Maybe it made you a lot, of, you a lot of money, but it cost you some- Oh, there's a price. <laughs> Gotta pay that piper. Um, so at the moment I'm working through, I have a version of it somewhere. I'm not going to be able to find. Working through prototyping a uh, stainless steel version of it that isn't going to... Um, I can't find it now. I tidied everything up before. Would you believe I tidied everything up? Um, uh, a stainless steel version of it that should, could maybe be mass produced. So I'm yeah. looking at that. Um, I also run a podcast with a Patreon attached. Mm-hmm. So that works out to be... Uh, depending on the month, depending on what's going on, around a thousand pounds a month. Then there's illustration work that goes on alongside that. Um, there's some mentorship work that I do. 
um, with a couple of universities uh, in Finland and Denmark. I do some teaching in Denmark as well. So if I was just sitting around drawing comics, I probably wouldn't earn enough money or I wouldn't earn enough money consistently to make it, uh, you know, feed both my children. If it was just me living in a little wooden house at the bottom of someone's garden, I could probably make it work. But with kids and things like that, I think it would be very difficult. Um, one of the things I found working as a creative freelancer is that I can't rely on a single project or a single thing at any one time. Um, I had a project, I can't give you any details about it, that was gonna be about 22,000 pounds this month. Mm -hmm. That I was like, it would have taken about two months to work on, um, but it would have been a neat, successful project, would have been a nice one. Um, but I had an email at the beginning of the month saying, oh, it's going to actually be £4,000. And then I had an email uh, earlier this week saying it's not going to happen till May. So this mm. tends to happen quite a lot with um, uh, you know, creative projects. Things shift, they move around and they you know, change shape and size as well. Yeah. And you, you end up becoming quite, um, I guess, like calloused to it it doesn't upset me as much as it used to. I think when I first started, that would have absolutely destroyed me. I wouldn't have seen it as yeah. eventually earning 4,000 pounds. I would have seen it as definitely losing 15,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, but because it, it it's not something you can rely on consistently. It's something you just, you know, taking your stride and try and think about uh, positively. Um, by and large, a lot of the, the money that does come in to me as a business, it tends not to be someone emailing me and saying, hey, would you like loads of money? Um, rarely happens. Uh, often it's because I've been emailing people and saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I did this thing with you or if I did this thing for you? You know, I design um, typefaces, uh, fonts for people. Um, so a lot of that work, which can be, you know, two or three week's work um, for two or three thousand pounds which will be quite good work because it's relatively mindless stuff and I don't really need to think about it all that much um, I can sort of sit and watch tv while I'm doing it um, is often because I'm e emailing someone saying hey wouldn't it be cool if so a lot of the time a lot of the work that I'm actually getting is work that I've you know sort of raised my hand and said please and I rather than waiting for someone to say hey Dan could you do this thing for me it, it's very much about I don't know how how people would feel about this I me personally I felt really really uh like I was going to be sick all down my front the first time I asked someone for work and for money like I think I'm really good and I think that I should work for you Blah, sick everywhere um please give me two thousand pounds sick everywhere just the worst feeling ever um the first I think time a lot of people feel that way yeah yeah it doesn't go away it just gets smaller like instead of sick down your front it's sick a little bit in your mouth then it's a you know a sicky feeling in your throat and then it's just a little bit of indigestion you know but it's still there it just yeah. diminishes slightly you just yeah. get used to it i think well i appreciate you being uh so open and, and transparent about that all the the money stuff um yeah no problem so I wish I really would love to dive deeper into Patreon. I'd love to dive mm. into your beginnings as an uh, as 
in drawing comics and things like that. I would love to dive deeper into like uh, the digital versus like analog um, conversation, but I don't oh, think yeah. we have time for any of that. So maybe, maybe another time. But um, do you care if I ask you like two or three just like rapid fire questions before we get off here? Yes. If I if I talk too much, use these magic words. Shut up, Dan, and I'll just. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But please say it. No, it's good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, my first question is: You said you talked about the nice paper that you use, and you talked about the pens that you make. What other mm. like, things are in your toolbox that you are grabbing every day? Okay, I have. Uh, let's see. These are. Windsor and Newton sable hair brushes. So these are brushes that have hair from a sable, which is like an Arctic squirrel, I think. So it's mm. natural hair and they're lovely. They're really, really nice to paint with. Uh, I have a bunch of vintage fountain pens that I draw with. So these are from like the 1930s, 40s. Um, so the, the nibs are like flexible. So you can get really nice flexible lines. I really, really like that. Um, the pens that I make, they give uh, they give lines that look like that, um, which is cool. So when I'm life drawing, uh, that's what that looks like. All that good stuff there. Um, a light box. I work a lot with a light box that yeah. is about this big. Uh, it's dimmable. It's magnetic, so I can put things all over the place. I have uh, an iPad Pro I use with Procreate. Um, for a lot of things, I have a uh, propelling pencil, you know, a clicky pencil. Mm -hmm. This is a, um, a Uni Kura Toga, which is great because as you draw with it, it rotates the lead and it slowly oh. just poke, pokes out a little bit more lead. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of keeps up with you. So you don't need to keep like clicking. Good. Really good. Um, um, other than that, uh, boring pens, basically. Um, just fine liners and um, mainly like watercolors as well. Yeah. And then Photoshop, lots of Photoshop as well. Awesome. Um, what is an inspiration that might surprise people, Dan? Can be first thing that comes to your head. <laughs> Ah, um, I really like making things with my hands. Um, I, I've always made things. Um, uh, this is the thing that I've made most recently. Uh, so I made, I made a guitar. That's awesome. So I really, really like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm in my workshop here surrounded by stuff. So I've always been excited about watching people make things. There was a TV show in the 80s and 90s in the UK called The Secret Life of Machines, where these two weird, I guess they're about the same age as me now, but when I was a kid, they were old. Um, and they would just make things like, here's how a refrigerator works. And it was just really badly made, but it was wonderful. Like, take apart a refrigerator and see what a refrigerator is and how it works. And I think they just blew it up at the end. It was really good. That's awesome. <laughs> It seems, like, it seems like making things with your hands would be a good uh, kind of rest for all of that comic work that you do. But <laughs> like a yeah. good uh, yeah, contrast to that. All right, last question, Dan. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Um, these guys are anywhere from like 15 to 18 years old. So if you could go back to 16 or 17-year-old Dan Barry, 
and give yourself one piece of advice um, to kind of help you through your, your, your journey, your artistic journey, mm -hmm. what would it be? Okay, the, the first thing is that I probably wouldn't have listened to like an old man coming from the future. <laughs> um, I was like playing guitar in punk bands and like staying out past my bedtime and things like that. Um, so I probably wouldn't have listened. Uh, I was, uh, when I got to like 22, I was convinced that I was a failure because I hadn't yet achieved all of my aims and ambitions, you know, no record deal, no book deal, no nothing. Like it was dreadful. Um, uh, don't measure your success um, based on anyone else's success, basically. Uh, measure your success on how happy you are. And that is it. Don't measure it based on how much money you've got compared to anyone else. Don't measure it based on how many of your friends are doing better than you are. Like your happiness and your health is the only thing that you really carry around with you. Um, that's really the only thing that matters. That's amazing. And there are plenty of people who have a lot of money that maybe aren't as happy. And so, Miserable. Yeah. Um, well, Dan, is there anything else that we solve all the problems in the world or do you have anything else you want to say um i don't know i feel like we've covered a great deal we have yeah <laughs> um well i know they can they can find you on instagram on your website uh yeah. your podcast is make it then tell everybody i saw someone what's the podcast make it then tell everybody with dan barry Make it then. I'll, yeah, I'll show you. I'll, sh I'll show them where to find it. We're good. Um, love the podcast, by the way, Dan. Thank um, you. Cool. Well, anywhere else they need to look for you? A bookstore? Uh, bookshops? I mean, don't buy my books from Amazon because I don't get any money from Amazon. That's a good tip for any artist, probably. Any comic. Oh, artist. yeah. Amazon basically, uh, they buy the books from the publisher, but they demand like a 70% discount from the publisher. They say, we're not going to stock your books unless you slash the price by 70%. Then Amazon sell it for full price. Yeah. And so Amazon gets all the money and the publisher gets nothing basically. So buy books from independent bookstores because they don't put that huge discount on top of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazon have already got all the money in the world. They do basically. Awesome. I think all right. we, we might even lose money if you buy books from Amazon. So if you don't like a comic artist or an author, buy their book from oh, Amazon. Really, really buy, like get a subscription, like get one a week. Well, Dan, I can't thank you enough. Uh, it means a lot for you to spend an hour with us. And just Oh, no, I enjoyed it. Thank day. you. I know you're probably busy, so I appreciate it. I hope I didn't um, talk too much. I hope I answered your questions. I hope it was fun and entertaining. It was amazing. If you ever want to talk to some high schoolers again, just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. We'll talk to you. Bye. Next time. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. I can't thank Dan enough for talking with us. He was so honest and transparent, and I know we learned a lot, right? If you're interested in what Dan has to say, go check out his work, buy a book listen to his podcast they're all great his work can be found on instagram at things by dan or online at thingsbydan.co.uk. his podcast is called make it then tell everybody 
and can be found wherever you're hearing this or wherever you can find podcasts. You can also go to makeitthentelleverybody.com for more information. As always, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or artist suggestions for this podcast, you can email at schsvisualart at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at schsvisualart. Until next time, keep creating.